So we're going to do a different type of pot today. Um, for one, this is our FR PC football, usually not today, light pot. Yes, sir. Uh, the Saquon Barkley's of it all, the Daniel Jones of it all, the Rogers of it all. It's just minutia at this point, yeah. boys and girls. So we decided to do something different today. Mm-hmm. And uh going to bring in my partner. Uh, I'm sure he'll have a lot of questions today. <laughs> it's the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons. And for this pod, yeah. Who would you be like the Canadian Oprah? <laughs> oh, that you love to give me big names to live up to. That might be the biggest of them all. Oprah. Shout out to Oprah. Yeah. The one and only. We're trying to Legendary. get like her. We're trying to get oh, like her. So. Of course. Of course. That is the ultimate, the, the epitome of doing anything like what we're doing. Being Oprah, that's how getting to the point where you only have one name i you don't need to say anything else that's it that's it and if our listeners want to you know help us out with that we have a link tree and uh yeah. you know uh, we'll be more than happy you know we bring in some some joy into your life yes you can you can hook us up too so nico uh over the weekend, mm-hmm. I great for audio medium, right? But I had a sobriety birthday. That is amazing, brother. So six years sober, six years different, six years of uh, change and maturity and uh, wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I thought today we would... Uh, Take some steps back and uh, talk about what plagued me for over 30 years and some of the journey that I went through um, and uh, how how things changed. So mm-hmm. it's a different type of pod today, folks. So uh, this is where we are. So um, <clears throat> I am 50 years old. I will tell you that my first drink of alcohol came when I was three. Mm. My dad gave me a Heineken sitting on his new Grand Am, Pontiac Grand Am. And um, actually, I think there were, at some point, we have a really uh, dysfunctional family. There were photos of that particular event. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I can't tell you. I remember the taste of it when I was three. But alcohol was prevalent in my house. Uh, My parents were alcoholics. Mm -hmm. So it was always there. Always. It was never not present, ever. And if it wasn't present for some reason for a split second, trust and believe, there was something coming into that house post-haste. So uh, I think, I mean, I had sips here and there, you know, as any 
child would mr you know a mischievous child would right yeah. six seven you know sips here and there i think when i actually started drinking was 12. Mm-hmm. now for other pods because they bleed into different stories because we're working on something with my mother right now yeah um, i'm gonna leave some of it out because yeah. i think you know that's a different story to tell but i will say that abuse ran rampant in my household uh verbal physical um i have the scars to prove it mm-hmm. um my mother has the scars to prove it but uh you know so we had that going on as well so of course, dysfunction was a part of it, but 12 was probably the start yeah. to get drunk, basically. Any other time was just like, I'm going to sneak this because I shouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, to hell with this. <laughs> we are done. <laughs> we are, Listen, I'm 12. I'm over this BS at this point. You know, I've lived life. I've seen a lot of stuff happen now. Here and there, I seen my drag. I seen my dad drag my mother out of her place of work by her hair. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I seen my dad hit my mom with a baseball bat. So I mean, I seen some stuff at this time at 12. So I think I'm ready to drink. <laughs> you know, and I don't know what triggered it. I couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you why that particular day was the day that I decided that I needed a break from reality. Mm -hmm. But that was the start of my journey. That was the start of me drinking. Um, I was really good at hiding it. Yeah. Really good at hiding it because I lived in a household where, you know, secrets don't get out. Mm-hmm. And I had to be I had to be high high achieving, yeah. Because to my parents, that was their value. Is that okay? No matter what's going on with me and my, you know, my demons and what's going on, what's on, what's going on with me, I have to. This kid has to be the 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 beacon of that. I am a good parent. So grades were like forced upon me, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't, I didn't ever looked at it as an achievement for me. Like if I got an A or a hundred or a great score on a book yeah. report or, or any kind of report as scholastically, I, I never looked at it as something that I was literally doing for me, which is weird now, you know, now. It's weird to think that way. But at the time, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think kids go through that overall. Like, my my parents were uh, great with me for the most part when I was younger. But every time I got a report card, it was very hard to wrap my head around the fact you're going to school for yourself. It feels like this thing you're just doing to impress your parents and I'm sure when you had that 
relationship fractured in such a way where you're looking to impress these people who are inflicting pain upon you at all the time it's probably very difficult to figure out what you're who you are at, at that point why why are you doing anything it's just a difficult thing game of gymnastics mentally to go through yeah and also the climate of where I was living, you know, I grew up in South Central LA. So uh, for anybody who knows um, LA very well, um, I lived south of Martin Luther King Boulevard and I was a little, I was a little east of Crenshaw. Um, so, if you know the area, you know the area. Um, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't that bad of an area. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't know any better, but it wasn't. You know, there were still pockets. I mean, there were things that you just knew to kind of stay away from. You know, if you were, you know, yeah. set in that way. But mm-hmm. it never seemed like this huge thing every single day till I got a little older. I was in the middle of it. But um you know it it was kind of like normal childhood. The funny part about it is a quick story I'll tell and this will kind of tell you how I knew things weren't right and that drink at 12 was justified to me. Mm-hmm. I remember going over a friend's house at like 10 so sleepover or whatever. Now, this is like a Friday night, you know, so I, we, we're going to like Hot Wheels, video games, all this, right? Yeah. And I just remember the parents just being cool with one another. There was no arguing. Nobody was fighting. And it was so weird to me. <laughs> it was so weird that that was going on. I'm like, Wait, what? This when did your mom pop off smart to your dad and he just backhands her? Like when does that happen? Like mm-hmm. I'm thinking this in my head. Yeah. When the when does the yelling start? Is it like one when we're supposed to be asleep and we're still like, you know, sneaking, trying to watch TV or listen to a radio or something? Back in the day we had to listen to a radio. So that's how old I am. But I remember coming away from that going like, it felt like Disneyland. It felt like magical. I was like, what? This is the world. Wait a minute. Wait, there's different alternatives. Yeah. And so that's what started it. And then by the time we get to 12, and now we're in adolescence and going into being a teenager. My dad has now, he's gone. He's out of the picture at this point. Um, yeah. We had finally broke away from that violence. And my mom was this person who kept it strict, but she also kept it. She had a really interesting way of keeping it strict. Yeah. 
she knew she was getting to a point where I was bigger. So the physical couldn't really do a lot. But the psychological, she was good at it. Because all she had to do was like, you're going to turn out just like your father. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. Ooh. You know, that was scared straight right there. Yeah. Then I started to resent it. <laughs> like, hey, wait, hold on. I'm carrying like a 3.8 over here. Like, on the low, I'm paying bills that you don't know about. Like, how do you think your phone bill was 134 and now it's zero? Like, I'm having alternative means of, of uh, economics over here, and you're. <laughs> You're telling me that I'm going to turn out like my dad? Like, this is crazy to me. So at that point, with drinking, I just felt like this is what you do because I felt like an adult. I'd seen too much at that point. You know, I was just like, I was like, whatever. And my journey with, al- with alcohol, it, it, it boils down to a couple things. But in the journey was... I just needed to get away. I needed to just escape. Just I needed to just mellow out. That's how I felt. Yeah. And it just continued. Now, it never was a problem in school. It was never a problem in college. It was really never a problem early adult, like early, early, early adult life. Um, then it became a problem because decision making became very poor. You know, yeah. um, broken relationships, jobs, um, good jobs, good relationships. I don't have a relationship with my own children, the, the seeds of me. Uh, they're good citizens of the world. Their mother is uh, exemplary. We have a great relationship. Um which we cultivated in the six-year period, which has been cool. Um, But, uh, man, yeah, I made so many, like, so many mistakes, like, just cavalierly, like, going into people's lives, becoming an integral part, families, friends, you know, so the outer circle becomes the inner circle. And now... You know, I'm blowing it up because I think I don't deserve it. It was like a cycle of get it because we want it. And then once we have it, we got to blow it up because we don't deserve it. Oh, man. I I know that thought pattern well. I've been guilty of it before in my life. One thing you mentioned there that I... I personally think is the biggest problem with drinking and why it becomes such a problem for everyone is the way the drinking age is implemented is just a weird function because it becomes this barrier to adulthood for kids. When you're a kid, when you're 12, when you're 14 and you think I'm grown up now, 
I can drink. I know I'm smart enough. But obviously, you're 14. You don't know what it means to be an adult. No, no clue. But because you have that that bit that built up thing in society adults drink so now i'm an adult and i'm gonna drink it becomes this what you're striving towards your whole life where i i just think a change in the way the liquor age works and maybe just strict restrictions on the way liquor's implemented with younger kids like oh you could have one drink of month i don't know it would be i don't know at least different because obviously the system we have in place right now isn't working it's creating addicts nico and here's the thing and this is what we're going to talk about on this podcast because i'm going to tell you another thing that they should tell people about they should tell them what it does Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go into it right now when I drank, when I really started to really drink, it amplified yeah. my superpower. So my superpower has always been pretty good communication, telling a story here or there. Mm-hmm. You know, people saying, oh, that, that Vince guy, he's all right. You know, yeah. which was what I was looking for, which was the mm-hmm. adoration, right? But what they don't tell you, or they should tell you this part, they say, okay, there's going to be like a roller coaster. You're going to go up. It's going to be awesome. You're going to see a bunch of stuff. It's going to be great. They don't tell you about the down part. Mm -hmm. They don't tell you about, everybody knows about hangovers. That's, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about emotionally how you feel because you you feel less because now you're chasing that superpower you want that you want that to stay in that constant state where it's like you feel like everything's clicking everything's going i'm just talking to people i wouldn't have talked to that young lady if i was sober no yeah what's up hey how's it going I'll talk to you later, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a constant chase of that because you, for the first time, I was whole. That yeah. feeling made me feel whole. Nothing in my life had ever made me feel that way. I've had pockets of happiness. Like, my kids being born... With, I was ecstatic and I thought like, oh, here's a chance of breaking the cycle and being better than my father. And here I am tossing them back. Right. Mm-hmm. Not breaking the cycle very well. Um, but nothing sustainable, nothing sustainable because I didn't think I was worthy of it. One. And I damn sure felt like I didn't earn it because Every relationship was built on some sort of lie somewhere. Because that was the other thing that was going on with me, is that everything, there was never any, like, it wasn't 100% true. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't think I was terribly interesting. 
honestly. Yeah. Um, I had a very, very low like self-esteem. It's probably all the same things that everybody else has heard. But the reason why I want to put it out there is because, <clears throat> yes, drinking made me feel whole and it made me feel good and it, it made me feel powerful. But then the next day would happen. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel the same. You feel more awkward than you did before the drink. Yeah. And sick. And sick. You know, we don't want to leave that out. Yeah. Um. So you just have a ton of these type of types of episodes, and it was just basically a bunch of them. Jobs, women, you know. Good money, um, really good positions. <laughs> like I was blessed through the whole thing. I didn't, I didn't appreciate them at all because mm-hmm. I know I didn't really deserve them. I just kind of fell into them. And then now I would work hard while I was at any of these places because I wanted to feel valued. I wanted to feel like I was needed. Mm-hmm. I usually was a guy who built up pretty good camaraderie and oh yeah, Vince will take us out for drinks and oh yeah, that dude is awesome. And you know, you know, you know if there's any anytime something gets rough, he'll be there, you know, to smooth smooth the waters out. Cause I mm-hmm. wanted to be that person for these people. And it was completely fraudulent. <laughs> completely <laughs> fraudulent. <laughs> Just like, okay. Yeah, I'll be a chameleon for you. I'm like, I can do this for a while. And then there would be something. There would just be something that just would trigger me. And I'd be like, I'm in a position that I definitely shouldn't be in. I can fake it for a while. <laughs> I'm definitely going to need alcohol to get me through this. Like on a daily and that's when the decisions become poor. Mm-hmm. Because now we've mixed that we know we're not supposed to be in this job that we worked really hard for, right? We started at the bottom, started at like a, a associate level. I remember working for a finance, uh, a financier. And I started off as a temp, like it's just a temp. And by the time I left, I was like his executive assistant and it was a short time period of like temp to that. Yeah. Like I was doing like his dollar cost averaging to his mutual funds for him mm-hmm. for all the, you know, firms and stuff. Um, so I was pretty valued, but I was never going to, it was never sustainable, never going to be sustainable because I just felt I could do it, but I didn't realize I was actually doing it doing the work mm-hmm. because I was drinking through the whole thing. So it's kind of like you're really cheating the system somehow. So you really shouldn't have this, this good thing. Yeah. So let's blow it up. Quit, I, <laughs> get fired, whatever. That's, that's a problem. I think a lot of people have that, that 
feeling of unworthiness that sits inside you. Once something good happens, it's always thinking about you didn't deserve it. Oh, it just fell into my lap, whatever. Eight million different things. But to a certain extent, you just have to sit back and realize that's what life is. Life is just trying to make yourself the best possible person so you can be in situations that can work out for your favor or the favor of others and those you love. It's or it can be more. It it, it can be. It can be. But I I when I'm talking about more so like that's the progression of life. That's how you go from step to step to the next one. It's just like keep putting yourself in places to be around people so good things can happen. That The point, though, is you got to find, you have to find your value. And I mm-hmm. think we do a really bad job as a world. Yeah. Is giving value to people. This, what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. is pretty valuable in the sense of, this is a discussion that was a long time coming because I'm sure you have questions and I want to answer them for you. Mm. Um, but also it's nobody has time for real conversation anymore. If you think about it and like, like really you talk to, you talk to Shannon, right. Mm-hmm. In your friend group. Yeah. How many people do you have like real discussions? Like, like I, real I, discussions. I might not be the right person to ask because I'm quite the, quite the deep convert converser myself. So I've I do have quite a few people who I I do have uh, meaningful discussions. Okay, take somebody in your friend group who might not be. Yeah. No, I I. I quite often find myself as the only person people are talking to. So I I know what it's like for people on the other side of that who definitely have less because I was, I was raised by my mom to have serious conversations constantly all the time. She would have them with me at the drop of a hat and it just, bled into my personality so i i often find myself in that kind of situation but for someone who's not raised having ever done that and doesn't know how to actually sit down look someone in the eyes and tell them what you're feeling which is a very vulnerable position to be in it can be made so much more difficult and i i know how hard it can be on people overall. So I, I definitely empathize with you on that. Well, and that's, that's what I was chasing is chasing value, but I was seeking it in adoration and I was seeking it in, um, you know, people telling me, on, you know, Oh, that Vince, he's good dude. You know, I want to be told I was a good dude all the time, right? And I tell people I'm a good guy, knowing damn well I wasn't, knowing damn well I wasn't. Um, 
it's funny how that's that's been erased from my vernacular anymore. I don't never I never describe myself anymore. Um the the other thing that comes with it that people are having a hard time with is you know the social media deal and 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 trying to live up to whatever expectations are and all this. I'm here to tell you don't have expectations like build your journey out like go for stuff go for go for goals go for whatever it is that you choose to do you know that brings you joy mm-hmm. that that really fulfills you yeah. or if your job or whatever it is in your life that is not really giving you that fulfillment right but maybe it's leading to fulfillment like Mm -hmm. i can use this money just you know to live out this so somehow existentially the job or whatever it is is still bringing value to the thing that you're looking to do so you just got to find that that bridge to it but expectations is what really really is Oh, if if humans could get expectations out of their head, we would be such a better society. Yeah. Because how many times have you given like solid advice to people, they not take it, and you're just like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, I have gotten to the point in my life where when I give advice to people, I, my default assumption is that they will not take it. I I know that all like I can't live life for them at this point. So I'll, all I can do is put myself in the situation and tell them what I would would hopefully do. A lot of times advice I give is even more idealized than what I can honestly perform myself. So I, I do understand that people are going to fall short sometimes. It's it's the way the way of the world. By the way, that's coming from someone who is in their late 20s. So, first of all, I want to salute you. Because oh, you. you got to a, a really, you got a cheat code early. I did. I did, I did not get this cheat code early. No. Okay. Because um, I would tie my value into what their decision ended up being. Mm-hmm. This is how messed up I was. And I'd be crushed by it. Crushed. Now, different. It's like, yeah. hey, 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 listen, here it is. And uh, good luck with it. You know, I love you. Right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, that was me then. But I still think that's because that, there's this, this is overwhelming feeling to me of. Whether it's sports, politics, other things, it's this this race to be right. Mm-hmm. My take is so brilliant. I need to share this with the world. And I will defend this opinion with my last breath. A mm-hmm. lot of times. About stuff, honestly, 
I don't know if it's really worthy of <laughs> not. It's all. never that deep. It's I never really that worthy. I I definitely can. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel you there as well. I will go down arguing for what I believe in forever. Uh, whether or not you agree with me, I I will make my case known. And to the best of my knowledge, I always hope for it to be right. I agree with you there. I mean, I, I see it. I see people doing it. I'm like, well, okay. Can we just have a conversation? Can we just... <laughs> Is there any pliability to like discussing it? And then maybe both of us come up with like a, just a different viewpoint of the whole situation. Yeah. That's kind of like where I am now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love to be here. I'm glad to be here. It's a really warm place to be. Mm -hmm. Being right to me feels exhausting. Yeah, I like doing work. I like tracking down information, and mm-hmm. then it turning out that it, it being right. But it's it was due to the work. It was due to the process. Yeah, the process was to me the most fascinating about it. Now, but before it was the expectation. Result. It was the result. Yeah, that had to flip at some point, but my value was so low of me. And also, I know this is haphazard, but I'll throw this in. I'm biracial. I'm half black. I'm half white. As Nico's looking at me, he's going, I don't see it. (laughs) Thank you, mom, for the recessive genes. I, you know, I guess, but I, I can guarantee you that my father was definitely African American. (laughs) <laughs> Pensacola, Florida, born and raised. Uh, um, so, you know, you have that going on. And then there was a dynamic of my um, my mom's parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I usually, I do very little cursing on this pod, uh, on any of our pods. That's my very job. Very rare. That's your job. But I think for this, we have to lay it out. Um, mm-hmm. my, my, my grandparents, they grew up in a time, they grew up in an era and they grew up in a, in an area that did not, was not a melting pot. Okay. So mm-hmm. let's throw that out there first. Um, I'm also going to say to, um, that area, it's working class, upper middle class, get your kids to college, the whole American dream. We're, you know, we mm-hmm. roll up our sleeves and do what we need to do. Yeah. But my grandparents told my mother, we will not have nigger children in our home. You can come and visit. You cannot bring that with you. Jeez. So this is starting my value uh, stock to go down, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, grandparents, usually grandparents are babies. Babies are great. Babies are awesome. Yeah. They do stuff. They smile at you. You give them back to the parents. They cry. 
they go home and you're the grandparent. No, my grandparents were not having that. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we never really ever got to know each other because of that. Um, I do know that my grandfather was more soft on it. Mm-hmm. My mother's mother ran that. And it just, that's what it was. So we just didn't have a relationship there. And then growing up in late 70s and early 80s in um, racial tensions at that point in time, you got to think, we're still not really that far away from mm-hmm. like 1965 and, uh, you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> All this other stuff. We're really not that far away. Mm-hmm. So black people are looked different, you know, looked upon different. Uh, people who are of like mixed are looked upon as like abominations. Yeah. Kind of um, like you're just a Frankenstein monster. Um, so you had that. Mm-hmm. So there was there is. You know, your boy was trying to figure out some way to build the value back up. Yeah. So we were doing anything that was momentous or we thought was momentous to try <laughs> to do that. So, you know, that's the the overtures of opulence on, in any situation, you know. Mm-hmm. And and if that's your your first deal and that's the pinnacle, there's nowhere there's nowhere to go but down. Yeah. If you're making the first gesture be this like grand thing, well, for me, it was built up. Everything was a Super Bowl. Everybody, everything was a World Series for me because I was just like, oh my God, this job wants me. Or this person wants to, you know, we want to date, whatever. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. Mm-hmm. So if you start here, you start at the top. You know, you got nowhere to go but down. So, so, I mean, I was just that. And then it just got to a point of just being, I started getting older and I started to feel different, but I didn't know why I felt different. It just, it just felt different. I was like, I got to get out of this. And I didn't know how I really just didn't. Um, drinking got worse, drink more. Kept jobs, kind of kept relationships, but I was filing through them, boy. Yeah, <laughs> because you can, you can, uh, you can lie, you can, you can cheat, you can steal, but uh, to do it so- with sophistication, that's only gonna last for about six weeks. Yeah, maybe you're really good at it, and it lasts like four or five months, maybe longer depending on how smooth you are, but the war tool show at some point. So, yeah. you know, we were, we were blowing them out, man, just flying through them. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the best part is in every situation, I thought this could be the person, you know, yeah. like the person that makes everything better. 
person that fixes everything, the person that is going to complete me, the person that's all that. It was never that. Mm -hmm. And I was picking reclamation projects too. I was like, oh, well, got to fix that, fix that, and then they can fix me. Right? Mm -hmm. Because I put all this work into them. Man, no. Never was going to work. So, we get to I guess if we want to get to it, let's get let's like fast forward to the ending because it becomes real sad at the end. We're homeless, bro. Mm-hmm. Drinking, rubbing alcohol. Yeah, that's how bad it got. Mm-hmm. Um, dark days. Never thought I want to end it, but definitely going towards that, right? It wasn't never like, I want this to end. It was like, we'll just push ourselves to oblivion and then just let oblivion take. Yeah. Right? Just let it hit. So, homeless, drinking, rubbing alcohol, cutting it with lime juice. Not a great look, man. Not a great look at all. So, any questions about any of this stuff so far? You you've brought it up a few times for me to me to ask you questions, and to be honest, I I, I don't have that many questions. I know you i know who you are and i i trust you that you have became um, what i think now to be a great man so the demons of your past haven't uh transfixed me very much i'd have to really dig hard to come up with questions all right so this brings me to the long beach rescue mission yeah. Um it's a faith based organization. Um you go in, you commit a year of your life to doing this, and there is strict structure. You are up at 5 30 a.m. Okay. You are out in the what they call the yard, almost like prison, right? Mm-hmm. In the yard um, by six. Now, so you do a work therapy at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. It's four hours. So that can be at any point in the day. It can be at six, to, you know, six in the morning to 10. It can be two, 10 to two, two to six. And it, you had different areas. Laundry, mopping floors, uh, sweeping up the ground, kitchen duties, whatever. As you progress, maybe you work in the administration building, you know, all of these things. Um, Let me also paint a picture for you, Nico. Think of summer camp with like people who are not adjusted right. 
So like <laughs> twelve beds in a in a dorm room. Yeah. With people going through all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe coming off um meth, maybe coming off uh drinking, maybe coming off um what's the other one that a lot of people do? Uh the coke. Huh? Coke. Yeah, I was thinking heroin. That's the oh, big one out here. So and then you have mental illness, just people who had been like on the streets for multiple, multiple, multiple years, maybe even decades, mm-hmm. and just trying to figure out what normal was again, you know. Yeah. And here I was, <laughs> you know. Oh, lights out, ten o'clock at night. So, mm-hmm. so you, this is this is every day, every day, three sixty-five. Um, there are other things that are involved too. Um, you go to chapel in the morning. Uh, you go to chapel in the evening. There are like little classes in the day. You also had um, for folks who who hadn't got their high school diploma or had aspirations to go to college. There were like a there was like a study time. They had a literal literal learning center inside with computers that had been donated um, by just uh, people who are just awesome. Um, by the way, this thing runs on pure donation. Mm-hmm. No help from the government whatsoever. So how the lights stay on, how they get food, pay people, what have you. All of it is faceless donations, some corporate sponsorship type things that they've worked out. Uh, they've been doing work for close to 50 years now. That's so, amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Now, a couple other things that you have to realize, too. When you're doing this, your dignity is going to get stripped a little bit because Yes, you have the dorms and there's 12 guys in it. Now, as you progress in it, and if you stay long enough and you're doing what you need to do, the dorms get smaller. You go from 12 to 5, and maybe you get down to 2. But you're not going to be singular. Not going to do that. Mm -hmm. The other thing. (laughs) Showers are like showers in high school. Yeah. You also do not have the dignity to be able to use the bathroom with a door stall, a door stall in it. So the the door has been taken off. Mm-hmm. So pretty vulnerable situations all the time. So it's bare bones, but that's how far. That's how far. I have fallen. Like I had jobs where I was making like six figures. Good jobs. Mm-hmm. None of it matters now. But what I'm saying is that, the, the, you know, there was a point where things were good. And now this is where I was. And it wasn't I was mad about where I was. It wasn't about what I lost. It wasn't. It was literally I was at a point where I just needed to figure out why 
I could be <clears throat> happy or have joy. Why did I feel like I was completely useless, worthless? I needed to figure this out. Now, for me, God came into my life. Mm-hmm. It changed everything. It changed what? What I thought about <clears throat> the situations of the past, what, how I treat people now, because there's a lot of accountability with it. I'm not cavalier about anyone I deal with because I don't ever think it's an accident. I think that I was placed there for a reason that God had placed me there for a reason. That's just me. It's Mm -hmm. not for everybody. But um, I try to be present in every conversation and I definitely don't have any expectations of mm-hmm. anything drastically changing once I leave. I hope for you, I pray. But I don't go, oh my God, it's, this does not work out for them. I am going to be destroyed. None of that. Mm-hmm. But I want you to feel great in that conversation. I want you to feel heard. I want to be able to bring up some of the things you said and repeat them back to you to reinforce that I was listening intently because I'm giving you my undivided attention mm-hmm. because I, I want to show you that type of love, that type of respect, that type of value, because I'm going to, anybody that I deal with now is going to be giving me that back in return. You see what I'm talking about? See the mm-hmm. difference now? Yeah. Um, God made me new. There's there's no question who you see today is a is a molded, been through fire, been melded person still being formed now, but mm-hmm. because of Chaplain Jeff Levine at the Long Beach Rescue Mission. Chaplain Chaplain Ed. Sean Purdy. People like Jason King. Um, and then I have a church that I go to now, Bethany. Incredible people. Incredible application towards others with using the Bible. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I would give my church is that. And they're outpouring of just meeting me where I was and meeting me where I, where I am now. And um, that has been important as well. But being six years sober, being in this space right now, being in a, in a in a space comfortable enough to talk about, I was a horrible human being. I cheated. I lied. I you know I did stuff that was terrible to people. And those conversations will be had. I think those need to be more delved into. We'll change the names because we don't need to 
sully any reputations and things of that nature. Those people mm-hmm. have moved on with their lives and stuff like that, but they'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but made amends, you know, amends to people that I need to yeah. um, try to at least. And the great part about that, Nico, and I will tell you, because I did, I did it. I did the the full inventory of all I did. Mm-hmm. You know what the three things that were prominent in all all of the terrible, terrible things I did? What? The need for attention, the need to be seen, and the need for adoration. And then you know what the branch of that was? Hmm. Fear and not knowing who I was. So there's these three things, and then it shifts into two. Mm-hmm. And that was the whole. That's why I was drinking. I had no idea who I was. I wasn't ever really instilled value. Nobody was there constantly to kind of, you know, the nurturing process that usually goes on. Right. Didn't really have that ever until now. I have it every day, anytime I want it. And it's kept me literally from drinking for six years. And it's it's freeing. It's it's a wonderful state of being. And it and there's such a posture of gratitude that goes along with it because I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to know you and be a part of your life and help you because this at some point will be yours with some other rapscallion people that you pull together for us. And you'll, you'll drive this baby into like 2015 beyond. That's the dream. That's the dream. Absolutely. Listeners, I just want you to hear that. That's the dream. That's what we're going for. So (laughs) if you're still here and you're still listening to this, this is what we would like to do. We're going to need you. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) jump on the team. Yeah. Jump on (laughs) the team. Send an email. Yes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, That is uh, what? Uh, It's at, uh, no, sorry. It's frontrunner. PC at gmail.com. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually a corporate email still working it out with Google. I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get Nico an actual corporate email and nobody at Google, nobody at Google will help me. So I hope they listen into this pod because we're on (laughs) Google meets right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Got to listen in that new CEO they got. Right. Somebody's going to have to listen in. I can't remember his name. But to, Go from a person who wanted, 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 wanted to be a person that just literally just wants to give now. Like, that's a miracle to me, man, because I was a selfish human being. And now I don't worry about me because somebody's somebody's taking care of me. God always has me. So and I have a beautiful wife out of this 
I have a great relationship with the mother of my children, which shouts out to her because Mm. she didn't have to. Yeah. She was under no obligation because I was a shithead Mm. to her and the kids. But she did it because she felt it was right. Yeah. So I applaud her and her husband, Quentin, who raised my children. Now, there's a story about me raising somebody else, but he raised my children and he did a really excellent job. They're great citizens of the world. I have nothing but respect for him and Karen. Nothing. I pray for them every single day. I pray for their happiness, their joy, their communication, their love for one another. Um, I pray for my kids' successes. I pray for their failures that, you know, they know that there are a bunch of people around them that are there to to rally around them and, and lift them up. You know, I, I pray mm-hmm. for that. Um, so, man, yeah. I have really good people in my life. I'm building a uh, a healthy relationship with my mother. Yeah. You know? Um, and I have really good people that I can turn to and who are absolutely ecstatic when I see them. And then I'm absolutely just ecstatic to see them as well um, yeah. you're in that group buddy so well, I, I miss static to see you as well i i'm want to say i'm proud of you for this overall doing this well obviously i'm proud of you for the sobriety but opening up like this publicly and being willing to go through all of these things this is <laughs> this is great and i'm glad to be here this is the vision we had for the life pod so I'm glad it's coming out. I think I've used the term with you that I'm a reformed asshole. I'm a recovering <laughs> asshole. And, uh, you know, still working on it every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, what goes along with the every single day, you know, obviously not drinking, obviously praying, obviously um, giving myself time, obviously doing things that I enjoy doing, which is this. Mm-hmm. And living out that. And then the other thing is. How can I put this? There's an accountability every single night. Mm -hmm. I go through the day. Like a playbook. Yeah. Was I completely present in that conversation? Was. Was I trying to figure out words before that person was done talking? Mm-hmm. Um, how was I to my wife? Did she feel appreciated? Do the people I work with know how much I care about them? Mm-hmm. Did we have a hard conversation that they left deflated? I have these conversations with myself because if any of those questions come up being like, yes, I want to immediately try to fix it. 
Yeah. You know, and say, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Or that the way that conversation, the way you left it is not how I would ever want you to lead that conversation. Yeah. Or that situation. But that's an every night deal. Because I can't give myself slack at all. Because I know me. <laughs> yeah. So this is the kind of regimen I have to stay on. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy with God because he knows and it's just easy to just lay that burden with him. And then you go into it with fresh eyes. So if there was a conversation with my wife that did not go well or, or if I didn't believe that I lifted her up enough we're going to apologize and we're going to make instant adjustments. And it's all about adjustments every single day. Life, it's just about adjustments. But Mm -hmm. I have to stay that locked in because when I start to drift just a little bit, just a little bit, it gets real haywire real quick. So um, being six years sober, great mm-hmm. but all of this these little things that I've been able to pick up along the way yeah absolutely invaluable people I've met people I've talked to people who were there um, who gave me good advice when I needed it who gave me tough love when I needed it? Mm-hmm. Who said, "Hey, you kind of need to augment this if you really want to get this off the ground." When I needed it, I needed somebody to tell me that. Um, and and being able to listen, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think it's a skill, Nico. I think it's a skill. The people who can listen. It definitely is. It so. definitely is a skill. As someone with ADHD, I have to work all the time on actively listening in conversations. And it sometimes it's a struggle for me. I've definitely had that problem with the wandering mind and I just miss valuable parts of conversations with people I care about and people I want to hear what they're saying and I don't want to make them repeat themselves constantly so I know how hard that is to work through for sure you know that's funny you say that it's weird because I don't think I've ever come away and we've had countless conversations yeah i don't think i've ever come away felt like oh he didn't hear me no i it's because i'm actively making the decision to be present for the conversation i have to almost like whip my mind into place constantly and it's it comes from a creative place like you said are you trailing off based on something they said and it just brings your mind to some other thing that leads it wherever and then it's an endless rabbit hole but it's definitely something that i struggle with and i i try and actively work on can i ask you a question 
Yeah. With Shannon, do you feel like because of the fact that like how long you guys been together? If you don't mind me asking, uh, six years now, coming up on, oh. yeah. Okay, so you actually known your fiance longer than I've known my wife. Okay, just so you know. All right. Uh, yeah, it's like we're close, close. Yeah, close. we're both real close. 20, 2017, I think. Right. All right. Yep. So yeah, yeah we're right there. You and I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're right there. Yeah. So how is communication like with Shannon? Like, does it is I mean, I'm sure there's ebbs and flows, but do you find yourself locked in? I yeah. yeah, I I would say that's kind of our superpower as a yeah. couple. That's the thing that we do really well is we always make sure to communicate with each other. There's actually uh a couple days ago, there was a situation, I can't remember exactly what it was about the wedding. And we realized that for the first time in a long time, we didn't communicate with each other well. And I just like sat and thought about it for so long, because it's not something I ever wanted to do because we we talk about absolutely everything. Her being my best friend is like, what makes me love her so much. I can tell her any single thing that's going through my mind. So I I think I need to be in a relationship with someone like that. And she is one of the best listeners and uh, like responders to questions I've ever met. Well, that's good. That's mm-hmm. excellent. Because I have that with Belinda. I have that. And that, the type of relationship where it's like there's nothing off the table. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't feel weird about any conversation that I go into with her. Good oh, or yeah. bad. Um, I never go into a conversation thinking it's going to be bad, even if it's leading to difficult topics. Just like, yeah. this is what we got to do. You know? <laughs> But she is my best friend. She really is. She's just tremendous. Actually, this podcast probably doesn't happen without her, if you think about it, because she kind of does some heavy lifting on the other side Yeah, that people don't see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so shouts out to her. Actually, I think I actually shouted her out in the last pod, the um, Sliding Doors pod as yeah. well. Um, But I have a tremendous group of people around me, but then I have God in me. And that time happens a lot. I know it happens multiple times a day. (laughs) And it's just, how can I be more of a servant to you? And I know people will take that wrong because not everybody is kind of where I'm at and I understand that mm-hmm. but how can I be good to you how how can I be most useful to you how can mm-hmm. I be most useful to my mother how can I be most useful to my wife mm-hmm. you know these are questions this is the posture that I stay in all the time I'm never thinking about aspirations for me because I believe they will just come. Mm-hmm. If you do the work, 
and you just don't worry about like, oh, we got to hit this metric and we got to hit this and we want to be here. We want to be there and we got to get here by this time or it's complete failure. I understand, folks, time is very important to people. Mm -hmm. But you can't get it back. Yeah. So you better really appreciate the moments. Really. I'm never saying, like, just sit there and just look back at your accomplishments and just, oh, look at those. Those are awesome. I'm just saying appreciate the journey. Appreciate the work. Appreciate the grind. Because there's little tidbits of information that go into whatever you want to call it, your toolbox or your memory bank, that you're going to be able to access when you really need to use it. So might be prudent to be picking up on those as quickly as you possibly can. Absolutely. So, um, so six years of sobriety, feel good. Congratulations. We got a basketball pod to do on Friday. We do. Um, Some oh, yeah, we also got to talk about two other things. Mm. One, because this is a, this could be an awkward situation. Um, I made comments on the, on the uh, hoop pot that you might be uh, not real happy with. Oh, yeah. I'm not privy to this yet. I was going to listen to it this morning, but it ended up sleeping in a little. Yeah, my man's been under the weather. Yes. Just going through it. So Mm -hmm. we've been just trying to let him be, get himself together. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm I'm feeling better now. I was feeling much better yesterday. We can cut this out, but I'm going to ask you a question, but we can cut it out. Okay. Right. Have we talked about you and your daily struggle with like your your physical as far as the MS is concerned? Have we brought that up? Uh, we haven't really touched on it. I I'm always willing to talk about uh dealing with MS in general. It can be an asshole sometimes. Sometimes I take a shower that's a little too hot and then I need to sleep for eight hours afterwards. It's can be very taxing at times. I, I, yeah, no, we, I'm open to talking about it. There's nothing, uh, I I think it's a bigger subject to go into eventually. No, I just wanted to have people appreciate some of the stuff. Like when I say you're under the weather, it's not just normal. Hey, he has a cold. And uh, he just couldn't be bothered for this podcast. No, my man is dealing with some stuff. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. And especially, especially on Friday there, I just woke up and could not stop puking. I have no idea what I, what I ate beforehand. Yeah. Or what, what was going on. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it, tough it, and random. It, it turned out to be a banner day for me, though, too. So don't worry about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We got through it. We actually talked about it on the pod, like on, on the on the sliding doors pod. So it became yeah. a little bit of of a life pod of its own. And I was laughing at myself. Mm. Cause I did I did ask the question, how does somebody 50 years old get pink eye? Like, how does that even <laughs> happen, man? Like yeah, how how did it happen? I honestly do not know. Like 
I don't know because I cleaned everything. Like I am disinfecting guy supreme. Yeah. We, I'm the and, one in my house that is going around with the spray bottle. And I also put vinegar in it too. I don't know. Like I'm trying to kill everything. Yeah. Like, everything is dying. I want to everything needs to die. Yeah, that's fair enough. Vinegar is one of the worst smells for me ever. I can't, I can't. Well, handle. it's not a, it's not a lot because you got the whatever the whatever the yeah yeah. Is. Fair enough. But fair I like the, the just a just a just some a little little bit of vinegar because I want to kill things, whatever mm. it is. Yeah, well, when Shannon and I were actually talking about that, like how you could have got pink eye, and we we looked it up, and it cannot transfer from cats to people, so it's not cat-related pink eye. I can tell you that at the very least, because we're always worried about that. The cats just sleep on our fucking face when we're sleeping half the time. They come in, and they flop over, and you wake up with a face full of kitty. Sometimes it's kitty butt. So we're oh. concerned. <laughs> Your cats are telling you, I am the captain now. Yeah, oh, definitely. They are the boss of the house. For the Canadian bomber. For the Canadian shaman. For the Canadian Bill Simmons. And for this pod and this pod alone. Shouts out to Oprah. Oh man, I might want to keep that one. The Canadian Oprah is pretty. You actually, you actually are very Oprah. I, I maybe have, not the billionaire part, that part, yeah, the monetary no, part, but no. we're we're working on it. Yeah, no, I've been told before that I have grandmother energy, so I, I think it, I think Oprah kind of suits that as well. Oh my God. <laughs> Is that going to be the name of the episode, Grandmother Energy? Yeah, you can. That's a good one. People will like have no idea what this pod's about if I put that there. Yeah, no. <laughs> It'll be you can end it right on that quote at the very end. <laughs> People, go, oh, okay, that's why I guess. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed it. We're leaving. You know what? We'll leave it all in. This is what they need. Well, we got to cut out. Yeah, we got that. I know. I got that one. But the other stuff, we're leaving it all in. Maybe we'll cut this part out. We're talking about the stuff we're going to cut out. (laughs) And the stuff we're going to leave in. But we'll just say we're leaving it all in. Just Uh like that. Uh All right. Um, So Friday, I guess, we will. Are we? Oh, question. Mm -hmm. Sacramento. Uh, Toronto. Um, uh, new. I did the new. Really, I didn't do the new faces and new places deal. I did a whole other deal. So okay, well, we'll do there's stuff. There's stuff going uh, on in the NBA. Maybe new know. faces, new places. We'll touch on and then, uh, uh, Sacramento a little bit because I don't really want to deep dive on Sacramento at all. Just to, like touch on what's mm. been going on. Mm. All right, so I guess we'll just try to get a tempo for the league, which we will have nothing until game start. Mm-hmm. It's what, Thursday? Yeah. All right, so it'll lead right into Friday. Monday. Mm-hmm. All right, so again, shout out to Long Beach Rescue Mission for helping me so much 
Um, shouts out to Nico for doing this pod. And shouts out to you for being sober for six years. And shouts out to Shannon because we still need to have that intervention about James Harden with you. you. I think that's coming this off season. I've I pitched her on it. She's confused, but vaguely uh, I interested. I will talk to her. I will. T- I will talk to Shannon. Yeah. I mean, sometimes there just needs to be an adult in the room. <laughs> We're signing off. Have a good day. Everybody have a good uh, rest of your week, and we'll see you on Friday. Peace.